Welcome to Color Me Dead. This is a true crime podcast, and we talk about murder and fuckery most foul in detail while using the darkest of humor. If you don't like words like fuck and cunt, then you probably shouldn't listen. But if you do, then join us while we fuck your feelings. All right. Are we ready? We're ready. 76. Episode 76. Shev- 76. 76. I, t- I traded it up in the middle. 76. 70. Whatever. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm tired. Fuck it. Is what it is. This could be fun. Welcome, everybody. Hello, everybody. <laughs> oh, fucking back. Welcome to Epido. If this sets the tone, I don't know what does. Or do, I can't. Uh, oh, see, I can't. Fuck. <laughs> so All we right. have set the tone for the day. So, episode 76, we are talking about moms who potentially created murderers. Anybody out there have a crazy mom? Raise your fucking hand. So, does poor parenting play a role in creating a murderer, or are some kids just born psychopaths? I think both, but we're going to go over some and you can make your own decisions. And I, I picked the ones that I thought were fun to talk about, but there are a lot. There are many, many, many. many. So fucking many. Like I had to whittle down my selection. Otherwise this would have been a four and a half hour fucking episode. Seven hours Hours later. later. We've discussed all of them. Fuck. One of my favorite that we're not going to talk about today, Ed Kemper, because Ed Kemper, I'm, I, I love his leading up to a story. It's so fucked. It's, like they all are. They but. all are. Well, and well, there's some heavy hitters in here that we briefly touch mm-hmm. on. And I didn't go too far into it because these are cases that we have planned on covering further down the chain. But there are some that when you stop and look at what their moms did, you can see where they get the ball rolling into, yeah, dude, you fucked your kid up. Yeah. However, I did cover some that you're just like, no, man, I think your kid was fucking born a nutsack. Yeah. A nutsack? A nutsack. Whatever. Your kid's a nutsack. (laughs) I think it can go both ways. Like, they can have that in them, and if the mom didn't steer them the right direction or even try to help them, that... They went like a total psychopath. But there's some moms that just, it, it was all you, bitch. It was all you, you. You did this. You did this. Oh, absolutely. And that's my favorite part about doing research and all of this is why. Like, like the leading up to it was oh, it yeah. your mother, was it your father, was it your whatever. Your creepy uncle. Like, yeah. you never know. And, you never know. Yeah. And so this kind of. We're going to narrow it down to just the moms right now because... Yeah, we're not going to touch on crime so much as we're just going to talk about the mothers. The mothers. The mothers. And like we said, there's so many that would have been fun to cover, but I think we got some good ones. I think we got some good ones. Now, it's no secret, obviously, that a lot of murderers and serial killers had really troubled childhoods, Mm. and that led them into even more damaged adulthood. 
But did poor parenting play a role in all of them? And that's what we're, we just got done discussing. Some of them or, wait, some of them or did just a few of them use that like as an excuse, like, oh, my mom was a horrible human being, so I was forced to, you know, well, yeah. engage in these fucking horrifying crimes. There's plenty of people that have crazy moms and turned out maybe a little bit fucked up in the head, but aren't murdering people. I Just mean, saying. they're not fucking grinding people up and serving it on Mm-mm. carts. <laughs> nope. So there's a lot of cases where extreme parenting led a person into the welcoming arms of violence. And we've talked about some, like Ed Gein, where... Augusta definitely played a role in the way that he viewed women and his social skills and everything else. I mean, but I have a question about him, too, because it's like reading into it. It was a lot pointed towards Musty Gus, but he was also into true crime magazines a lot. Did she force him that way? Did something she did make him want to think that way? Like, as far as like harming people and so then he was like oh true crime mm-hmm. like because she was like all women are bad all women are harlots blah 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 so then did that force him into thinking about hurting women because they're such bad people or did he already have that in there right i don't know and it's hard to say Yeesh. because hard to say anything about that little <laughs> little creep. mysterious bastard <laughs> a little mysterious bastard but in general you know when people are like he's a little bit odd little little bit of an odd fellow but i mean he was babysitting people's kids and he was going to help out with chores and people were like oh yeah he's a tad bit weird but all altogether he's a decent fellow right that freaks me out that's a lot of people so now you're like side eye and every son of a bitch that you come up on you're like no like oh wait that one's a little bit weird but he's a nice guy Where's your box of vulvas? You know, yeah. like, <laughs> where do you hide the bodies? How much do you cut them up? Do you burn them? Do you put them in a wood chipper? What do you do? What, what and the fuck like, have you done? They're like, what? They're looking at you like you're the fucking crazy person. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You're right. Well, and, you know, we talked about Mary Bell. Oh, God. Because her mom did all kinds of horrific things to her. She wasn't just mentally abused or physically abused. She was sexually abused. At age four. Tinty. Little teeny baby. Mm-hmm. And so clearly there was an essence that her mom rubbed all the bad juju on her. Oh, you yeah. You know what I mean? Like, in that case, I think that was 100% mom. Oh, absolutely. Because in that, bitch. in that innocent age of this is where we learn affection, this is how we learn how to treat people and deal with our emotions and things of that nature, she was being fucking choked and raped by grown-ass men. So And her mom. Yeah. So there's people like Mary Bell that I think, yeah, your mom definitely damaged you well beyond repair who is currently out of prison you know and has more children and shit shit. she's a fucking grandma yeah she's a grandmother uh Uh, just call me granny bell no an alien (laughs) warnos eileen Eileen. excuse me fucking every every fucking time every time theater gas god but eileen you know her mom didn't really want Just to have anything to do with her. the fuck out. Ditched her in an abusive home with grandma and grandpa. Where she was like, she was just set up for failure because she went from a shitty mom to a shitty grandma and grandpa. Like, there was no... I Yeah, and I think her case was also 100% upbringing. It might not have been her mom, but it was 
between her grandma and grandpa and her mom bailing. I think abandonment issues are probably a huge thing for a lot of different people. And then when you get abandoned into the situation that she was in, and the only kind of love and affection you know is getting beat and molested. Then you get kind of a disconnect. Yeah. I don't know. Shucks. (laughs) Gee gosh darn shucks. Yeah. I mean, well, and, you know, we just got done with Froze. Fred Froze. and Rose West, and we are not going to recap that nope. because no, you can go do that on your fucking own. Five episodes, so many hours, so many. Fuck that! I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> but if you do want to check out the uh, Ed Gein, you can go episodes twenty nine to thirty two. If you want to do Mary Bell, that was episode thirty eight. If you want to do Eileen, it's sixty through sixty three. And is two Mary Bells. Was there two? Yes. So somewhere thirty eight, thirty nine. Yeah, I was gonna stop. Stop it. I keep saying I was going to say. It doesn't matter what I was going to say. Just fucking say it. Well, ah! I had a coworker that used to use the phrase, it goes without saying. So stop fucking saying it. Say if it, it goes without saying, here you fucking go and you're saying it anyways. Or <laughs> <laughs> that being said, <laughs> where this person would have a lengthy conversation with me and I can feel my eyes glazing over and shit. I'm just like, fuck, are you done yet? And he would look at me and go, that being said, and move into the next portion of bullshit I didn't want to fucking listen to. And I was just like, does it go without saying? (laughs) (laughs) Shit. Obviously that doesn't go without saying because that being said was a fucking lengthy conversation. Well, he goes without saying. Well, I wished it fucking had, but here you go. <laughs> I say that being said when I'm leading it, like if I'm explaining something and then right. that being said, this is going to happen. Like he would use that phrase and it goes without saying, finger quotes, it goes without saying, shh, shh, sh- shut up. I wanted it to be that uh, scene out of Step Brothers. Shut, sh- shut your mouth. Shut, you look real stupid right now. <laughs> shut the fuck up. Or like... What is it? The Big Lebowski? Shut the fuck up, Donnie. <laughs> shut, dude, your, shut your mouth. When people go to Comic-Con dressed as the dude. The dude. My fucking favorite thing. I'm always like, hey! <laughs> <laughs> okay, some of the people we're going to talk about today you have heard of from us. Some you have not. Some, if you don't, if you haven't heard of them, what the fuck are you doing in true crime? Come on. <laughs> or in life in general. Everybody knows who these fuckers are. So we're going to start out with Daniel Bartlam, who was dubbed the Coronation Street Killer. He killed his mother at 14 with a claw hammer and then set her on fire, attempting to cover up his crime. Okay, I need to squirrel hunt real quick, Mm -hmm. talking about claw hammer. I was hanging up Halloween decorations and Calvin had a hammer. And we've been all into like the slashers because we all want to be slashers together for Halloween. And he's like, we should write a movie about a serial killer or about a, like a slasher that uses a, a claw hammer. Do you see how much damage this could do? And I was like, oh, fuck, you're going to be on the next episode. I'm going to be dead. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. And then this now we're reading about that exact same thing. So if I go down, <laughs> it's because of my parenting. Just kidding. Just kidding. Kidding. Am I? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. Anyway, he killed his mother at 14 years of age with a claw hammer and then set her on fire, attempting to cover up his crime. His mother, Jackie, was 47 at the time of her demise in April 2011. So, what made this boy kill his mama? 
Did she quit breastfeeding too early? I don't know. God knows. <laughs> Dan was the firstborn child and some years later had a baby brother, Dom, who would come into the picture. Unfortunately, his parents' relationship would unravel. After the divorce of his parents, Dan, who was very young at the time, would blame his mother for the divorce. It was like, the divorce is your fault and everything that followed the divorce is your fault. Right. I get, I, I get that because a lot of kids do that. Per the professionals, it would be said that Daniel was felt as though he had lost his position in the family after his little brother was born, and it triggered a loss of control, which isn't uncommon for children who have siblings that enter the picture with an age gap of five to eight years, because it's like, it was me, 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 mm-hmm. and now there's a that now there's a new one. My little niece was like five when her little brother was born and she's kind of struggled with it like hold on this was all about me for a long time and then you came on and I don't know what to do exactly (laughs) however the divorce came with much more than Dan was ready to handle and Dan began to externalize his anger by hurting his little brother becoming more aggressive to his mom physically and verbally and Dan also displayed very obsessive traits Ish. Jackie, the mom, had to sell their family home after the divorce, yeah. which happens in a lot of divorces. You know what I mean? It's shared property or whatever. And kids have a hard time leaving a house that they've they, been in. Mm-hmm, that they, It's their family home. Mm-hmm. So she had to downsize the living space to something that it was a little bit more affordable for her because now she's starting to operate off that one income and whatever support she gets for the children from the ex-husband. Yeah. So they had to... I mean, in turn, they're relocating to a new neighborhood and Dan would have to make new friends and he had been going to a private school. Well, his mom was like, well, that's going to be out of the way and I don't know that we're going to be able to afford that because that was something that his father had afforded for him. So she's like, you're going to have to go to normal school. Why the fuck wouldn't his dad keep paying for that? Or maybe I, just because of the split, it didn't it, work out. Yeah, I don't, I'm not 100% sure it didn't specify. So I don't know if it was something where, you know, the dad is now having to pay for his own living yeah. expenses and everything else. Like once you separate all that shit out, maybe he couldn't afford it. I'm not, not 100%. But that's a big jump from private school to public, public school. school. Right. Oh, and that's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> you're not only are you having to move to, a new home in a new neighborhood where you don't know anybody. Now you have to leave your school where all of your friends are, something that you're familiar with, and you're going into a public school setting, which is completely different than private school. So this sent Dan into, I guess what I would only describe as like a whirlwind of emotion, Mm -hmm. where he's just like his entire fucking world it's like a snow globe yeah. where you turn it upside down and you shake the shit out of it and, and everything like, comes falling down on you you're just like oh my god it might not seem like a lot to some people but for a kid that's only you know eight years old or whatever eight nine years old that's a lot to yeah. swallow not only is your dad not around but now all of this so in an attempt to appease daniel his mom actually scraped together six months worth of private school to like slowly help him adjust so we're moving you're in a new neighborhood you're in a new house but i'm gonna figure out how to keep you in private school for just a little while now once that subsided and he was no longer afforded that privilege to go to private school he would blame that on his mom too so it's your fault that my dad left it's your fault that i'm here it's your fault your fault your fault it's your fault that i have this little brother that i don't fucking want exactly 
So Jackie was actually described by everyone who ever knew her as a wonderful person. She was a loving mother. So what had she done to create such animosity in this boy that he ultimately smashes her smashes her with a hammer it reminds me of uh emperor's new groove and then we smash it with a hammer oh i just thought of that kai the homeless guy smash 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 with the axe (laughs) fuck dude that one we'll have to like play that clip one day because that thought about that that for a long time i was just like what the fuck man so you took a fucking hatchet and chopped on somebody. Yes. Oh, then, then just talking about yeah, it on the all news. So nonchalant. Yeah. Just all willy fucking nilly. He's like, yeah, so I took my hatchet. And I was like, wait a minute. Hold this on. This is amazing. Yeah. And that's what I used to entertain my son when he was getting ready to have eye surgery at age five. <laughs> but like, it didn't hey, tell. It, it wasn't the whole story. It was just like a clip of him going, smash, 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 smash. Smash. <laughs> so... So, so, um, stop fucking saying so, Angel. That's what I was gonna say. <sighs> or wait, what do I say? Hmm? I was gonna say. I was gonna, I was gonna say, say. Stop saying so. so. <laughs> I wish that had gone without saying. Yeah. <laughs> that being said, <laughs> that being said, Jackie moved into a relationship with a new man, and his name was Simon. He didn't live with the family, but he was around a lot. And so here's yet another facet to this puzzle that Daniel is trying to put together in his brain. And it was noted that Dan felt as though Simon was taking away from the attention that his mother Jackie should have been spending with him. And I am all too familiar with that with stepkids. It is a, a normal thing. So not only is mom spending more and more time with this adult man, who she's romantically involved with, but then the little brother. So he's kind of stuck in the middle, like, I wonder if they left him to babysit the little brother, too, while they went out on dates. So that was even more. I don't know, because he was still pretty young. He was only eight, nine. And that's not really a babysitting age for most. I'm not saying it hasn't happened. Growing up in a, a LDS family... Like, if you're old enough to reach the faucet and make a bottle, you're old enough to babysit. Yeah, I was babysitting so. at eight, nine, ten. Yeah. Little little ones. Oh, yeah, teensies. My so, big brother I mean, was there a lot, too. But he still, he's only a couple years older than I am. Right. He's still young. Well, Simon started recognizing some disturbing ha- behavior in Daniel. And he tried to bring it to Jackie's attention, but he didn't have any proof. And it was stuff like... Dan would start pinching, poking, and hurting his little brother, like when he thought nobody was looking, and then Simon would catch on to it and be like, yo, what the fuck? And Dan had lost his mind. Dan would be like, what you talking about? So Jackie's like, oh, it's just boys being boys. Well, Daniel started locking himself away at a very young age. Like, I know that teenagers have, they they reach that point where they start to withdraw and they want their own private time. Boys and girls, they both do it. I know because I have one of each. Where they want their private time. They go up in their room, they read, they piddle on their phone, play on the computer, whatever, but they don't want to necessarily be wherever the fuck you are. 
Younger kids, on the other hand, are like, mom, mom, dad, mom, dad, right mom, up your ass, right up your ass. That's where my kids want to be, right up my ass. I but think you- they try to get there when I'm going to the bathroom because <laughs> they're all fucking in there when I go. <laughs> so, exactly. They're like little hummingbirds. So fucking mom, 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 mom. Right? They like leave me alone all the way up until I go to the bathroom and then it's like, <laughs> I'm like, fuck. Just a herd of kids. Why? What are you doing? I'm trying to pinch a loaf. Get the fuck out. <laughs> He starts locking himself away and away from, like, not only just away from certain people, like the entire family. Just, I don't want to have anything to do with you. He never went outside to play. He didn't go out and, like, play football or basketball or anything with the other kids. He wasn't trying to make friends. Which, when you're younger and there's a cul-de-sac or a street full of kids outside playing, you would think, one would assume, that a kid would look look out the window and be like, I'm going to go play too. I'll go play. Well... That did not happen. He also started watching really violent films and would post his favorite clips to YouTube. And these movies, a lot of these movies were made for audiences 21 and up. So not even like NC-17 rated R. Some of these, because the rating systems, this actually took place in the UK and I guess their rating system. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong on that. But I think their rating system's a little bit different for films. And so... He's only eight, nine years old, and he's watching these incredibly violent films. Not only, like, physically, but, like, sexually violent films. And he starts writing stories, okay? And all of these stories are high violence, like, ultra-violence. I'm still stuck on the fact that he is posting them, posting clips to his YouTube. Yes. Nine years old. Mm -hmm. Mom, pay the fuck attention. My kids have their phones and they watch YouTube. But we have the same account. I can see everything they've searched and everything that they've lo- that they've watched. Plus, I checked their... F- what are you watching? Look, what do you got? Mm-hmm. See, and I don't mess with my kids too much. But if they ever get weird, I'm like, what are you doing? Give me your phone. Let me look at your phone. And if they ever say no, I will fucking shame you right in the kneecap. Right. <laughs> and I will... T- either you show me or I'll fucking take it and I'll look. But my kid, anytime I'm like, let me see your phone. They're like, here. Yeah. So, but yeah, he's, you know, eight, nine years old and he's taking these clips from these extraordinarily violent movies. He's uploading them to an account. He's like, haha, watch this. Well, he starts writing these really sketchy ass violent stories, right? And he wrote this one story about two boys who get into an argument and begin to fight and they're on their way to school. Long story short, one boy ends up stabbing the other boy to death in the story and then goes to school without his mate. All right. So he shows the story to Jackie and Simon. He's like, ta-da, look what a fucking Young Writers Award right here. And they read the story, and then they're looking at each other, and they look at Dan, and they're like, dude, what the fuck is this? And he was all super proud of it. And Simon is like, your kid needs to be in a fucking institution. And Jackie's like, maybe tone it down a little. Oh, my God. Like, no, okay, give me your fucking phone. Because we're not watching what the fuck you're watching anymore. You're going to stay where I can see you pretty much all the time. I don't ever have to tell my kids that. I'm like, can you go? Could, uh, could you go outside? Could, off is the direction in which you need to fuck. <laughs> but it was, you know, he felt secure enough in what he was writing and what he was watching to take it to the adults. Now, did he do that as a cry for help? Was he looking for attention? Like, let me write this super fucked up little tale and I'm going to take it to my mom and see what happens. And I'm going back to his mom isn't paying attention enough to him to notice that he's into that shit. If she pays attention like she says she is, 
she would know that he's into that stuff, especially where he's got his own phone. Like, who doesn't check their eight, nine-year-old's phone to see what the fuck is going on? Ugh. Or know. ask him, like, when he writes that story, what, where did you see shit like this? What, where did you get ideas like such? And it, <laughs> what nine-year-olds, like, yeah, these two boys, you know, and they got into a fight. And so we stabbed the other one in the fucking neck. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're right. a fucking 10. I need you to two. Where the hell did you see this? Mm. Right. And my kids are into, like, horror movie characters right now. I think it's more because Comic-Con and shit. Right. And, but it's not because they know the story. I can guarantee you that. Because <laughs> they want to, they keep asking me, what what happened in this movie? And I'm like, I'm not going to tell you. A, I haven't seen it because I'm a chicken shit. B, you don't need to know. Fair enough. Dan was fascinated with soap with a soap opera called Coronation Street and a created story about a character who kills a woman with a claw hammer and then tortures the body the same way he would end up killing his mother dearest who didn't give a fuck that he was watching horror shit posted on fucking YouTube. <laughs> the script included him getting away with the crime, which was a focus of the story. Right. It wasn't so much that he just murdered somebody. It was, but it was, I got away with it. And so he's like, all right, I watched this. I, I can do this too. No, it doesn't work that way. People find this out all the time. And I'm going to tell you right now that it doesn't happen like it does in the movies. <laughs> we hear it you many times. You can't choke somebody for four seconds and they just die. And you can't right. walk up on somebody and go, tick and break their neck. That's yeah. not how it fucking works, guys. I'm just letting and you And know. how many murderers have we researched that found that out the hard way? Right. We're going to tell you now. It doesn't work that way. Don't do it. It's not how any of this works. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, what roles could Jackie have been taken to prevent her demise? We kind of covered. Yeah, we covered that. I mean, you've, it's kind of like Professor Moody, dude, ever vigilant. Like, pay attention <laughs> yeah. to what your kids are doing. It's right. kind of like those people. I actually watched a thread on a Facebook post from KUTV News or whatever of a couple of a, a Utah couple whose, like, two-year-old son shredded over a thousand dollars and they were gonna pay cash for season tickets to the u of u games and their kid took the money and shredded it and some people were like haha funny kids are kids you know and like why the fuck a do you have that much money laying around in a goddamn envelope just chilling out and open two why the fuck is your shredder plugged in and ready to do business and why the fuck were you like i know I know that some kids are just quick, dude. Like, I've blinked and lost my niece and been like, shit, you know, literally, she was just right there. Right. But that's a small child putting his fingers near a shredder. And to shred $1,000, it's not like you just put the chunk in. No. I was like, I don't know. Maybe you did. I don't fucking know. Maybe it was a heavy duty shredder. Shit. But but I'm like, motherfucker, pay attention. Fingers, shredder, holler. Holler. I get, I, 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 I think that a lot of people would not have found the humor in that had he lost a little digit. No. People are like, oh, perfect parent, mom shamer. I'm not mom shaming or perfect parenting anybody, but I also never lost a thousand dollars in a shredder from a two-year-old. Or giggle about it. Just saying. No. So she could have monitored shit like we talked about, maybe question that murder story that he shared to them i don't know his withdrawn behavior why are you nine years old and in your room 
Can you come out and hang out with us? Do you want to be part of the family? Acknowledge the fucking kid. You are the parent. You, Your kid does not get to be in his bedroom at age nine if you don't want him in there. Parenting. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, it's it's been said in the past, like, well, why didn't you come to me? No, no, don't put that shit on your kids. You go to them. Right. Pay like, attention. Has anybody seen Dan in the last, I don't know, fucking six hours? No? Shit. Maybe you ought to go look for your kid because he's in there doing some weird shit. Right. It's just, it's all just kind of weird to me that she would let him be that far away. And like I said, my kids are up my ass all the time. So I know exactly where they are and what they're doing, whether I want to or not. (laughs) And to have him withdrawn, that should be a question. I feel like this is a lot. This weighs a lot on her, which is (laughs) the point of the episode. But yeah. Daniel then moved from a fantasy into a more reality as he started using actual people in his stories and not just fictitious characters Mm -hmm. so now we have like names like um mom was walking to the store and daniel clawed her in the fucking head no i'm just kidding i don't know what that was i don't know (laughs) i don't know if that was really part of the story (laughs) no but he's starting to use names now not just you know made up shit from coronation street characters or whatever no he's using Names. Real name. Psychologists stated that they didn't think the movies and games full of violence had as much of an influence as Simon thought they did. The professionals are under the impression that Dan was suffering and exhibiting signs of narcissistic behavior with borderline personality disorders and antisocial behaviors. Eh. I don't know if I fully agree with that. I feel it, like... And it goes mom. back and forth. There's, there's some professionals that were like, nah, dude, your kid was just fucked up. And then there's other ones that are like... He definitely had some influence. Eh. But I just want to know what the mom was doing this whole time. Was she was she concerned or was she just trying to get fucked by Simon? Like, what are we doing here? We will continue forward and you will hear. Sorry, my What's brain's about- going faster than the story. And I'm <laughs> like, fuck, fuck. Well, s- well, so. Well, so. Well, um, so. <clears throat> I need, I'm going to go buy another pet and I don't know what the fuck I'm going to get, but his name's going to be well, so. <laughs> We get a little fucking chinchilla or something stupid. When Dan did come out of his room, he literally made it his goal to disrupt and cause as much chaos as he possibly could. Simon would say that he recalls the one word shouted in that house by everyone more than anything else was Daniel. So he would come out of his room and push everybody to their snapping point. Didn't matter if it was mom Simon, his little brother Dom, didn't matter. Daniel! That's all you would hear. If he was out of his room, somebody was screaming at him because he was just pick, 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 pick. That makes me mad. Like, that boils my blood right now just thinking about it, and I'm not even involved. So this kid, he literally made it his goal to make everybody miserable. Which, moving on, the increased deviant behavior gets worse so 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 simon is outside and he's actually working on this garden for for jackie and it's a really beautiful garden it's got a pond with a little waterfall and it's got lots of really pretty bushes and flowers and it's got like a retaining wall he spent a lot of time putting this together on this property and it was specifically for her she loved it it was you know like kind of her pride and joy her little zen spot well daniel comes outside Ask Simon, can I help? So Simon's out there pulling weeds and just maintaining this little area for Jack. And he was like, yeah, that's really nice of you. Thank you. Your mom will appreciate it. So Simon 
bails for a little bit. He's got Daniel out there who's supposed to be helping. Comes back. The entire garden and pond is fully fucking destroyed. Jesus Christ. So he, like Daniel tore up all the flowers. He chopped down the shrubs. He like kicked the rocks out, threw a bunch of shit in the pond, like full bore ruined from one fuck? side to the other, like left or right, just destroyed this Oh, I would have beat the plot. piss out of that kid. <laughs> I'm not one to beat the piss out of my children, but I think that might be the thing that pushes that me over the edge. might be the one. This is the day you break me. I'm going to beat the fuck out of you. Right? Fuck. Well, Daniel would go on to tell Simon, you know, I was just trying to help. And Simon's oh, like, bullshit, God. you planned this. And he knew... Simon knew exactly, he says that he knew exactly what Daniel was trying to accomplish. He wanted to hurt Jackie. He wanted to upset her. That wasn't just, I'm going to do this to be a little butthole or I'm feeling angsty and need to burn off some energy. No, he went and destroyed what she loved because then it was like an emotional manipulation tactic. Like, fuck you. I took this away from you. I'm like stewing right now. Get It gets better. I even, yeah, I even read this one before, but now I'm stewing even more. And now I stew. I know. See, and I'm one of those kids that I grew up in a home where my parents weren't necessarily like hyper disciplinarians, but you got a belt or a smack if you were being a douchebag. That right there, had I gone out and destroyed my grandma's like rock garden and shit, actually I did on accident, legitimate accident, I still got my ass kicked. Like... That was also literally, like, foot to the ass, bap! Literally. Literally. Moving forward, Dan one night comes into the kitchen. This is, like, a week or so later. Comes into the kitchen. His mom has been working tirelessly for hours to make this really nice dinner. Dan says, I want pizza. And, of course, Jackie's like, no, man, I put together this really nice beef wellington. It took me all day. Like, what the fuck do you want pizza for? I made this. So she says no. Dan was like, fuck you. Steals money out of her purse, goes upstairs, orders pizza anyway. It shows up on the doorstep and Jackie confronts Daniel. Okay, so she, he's got this pizza, pays for it, and starts hauling it up to his room because fuck you. I'm not eating whatever beautiful meal you've put together for me. I'm going to eat this shitty little pizza. Fuck your rules. I do what I want. Zachary. And so she confronts him and she's like, what the fuck, man? You know, not only did you steal money from me, you blatantly disrespected me and disobeyed me. You ordered the pizza anyway. What the hell, you know? And he flips out, spazzes out, pushes her, stands over the top of her with his fists, like up by his head as though he might strike her. And Simon is watching this entire thing like fist balled up. He's screaming at her over a goddamn pizza. And then he retreats upstairs, ditches the pizza, runs upstairs and has a full and complete Uncunting of a meltdown. Uncunting. Un- he came uncunted. He's like smacking himself. He's hitting himself. He's beating the walls. And Simon said that this was his most explosive fit they had ever seen. Like thrashing, tossing himself onto the ground. And he was becoming more and more unmanageable. But they had never seen anything like this where he was actually like harming himself. Which they would go like professionals would go on to say that that was yet another like manipulation tactic where he was then like you're making me hurt myself oh and putting that like blaming that on her was it a manipulation tactic or was he punishing himself i think 
I think it's more of a, with him. I'm leaning more towards the manipulation. Jackie actually requested that Simon start spending more and more time at the house, more than he was already, to act as a buffer between her and Daniel, and also a referee, as well as like a role model. So Save she, me from this psycho. Yeah, right? Fucking children of a lesser goddamn corn. So <laughs> She wanted Simon to try and mold him differently. She wanted him around in the attempt to do the monkey see, monkey do. Right. You see how Simon acts. You see how Simon deals with this and maybe instill a little bit of that into Daniel. Because Jan- Janny, Janny, Jackie was completely unable to discipline him at this point. Oh, she's And she's scared of him. You know, yeah. mo- looking, looking at this entire situation, she's scared. She's scared of her own kid. You can't let them smell fear, dude. <laughs> right. You gotta like let them the, know that you're the scary one. And you're, you're the fucking not alpha. Afraid. But it's true. They're like bees and dogs. They can fucking smell fear. And if you oh, back yeah. down in any way, because kids are gonna push their boundaries. In my experience, not just with my own children, but a lot of people's oh, children. Yeah. You know, nieces, nephews, or my friends' kids, or whatever. They're gonna push those boundaries they to see what they can get do. away with. Mm-hmm. Um. It was noted by some of the therapists that tough love wasn't necessarily going to work for Daniel, due partly because of his narcissistic nature, but the manipulation started to increase to where Dan would harm himself to take more control from his mother and make him the victim. And so it turned into this, you're making me hurt myself. Look at me hurt myself. This is your fault. Everything's her fault. If you didn't act like this, I wouldn't have to do this. If you wouldn't make me so mad, I wouldn't do this. Oh, my God. In 2009, Jackie and Simon decided to clean Dan's room as he would not. And the room was growing more and more filthy and pungent in smell. I can fucking relate. I have a 10, an 11-year-old. I don't know how old my kid is. His room is disgusting. So while Dan is at school, they enter the room. The things they find are appalling. They find a briefcase full of Jackie's underwear. Yeah, oh, so he had fucking god. He had gone on a little panty raid into his mother's room and absconded with her fucking drawers and then kept them concealed in an old briefcase. No. That's not, mm-hmm. Luckily that is not in my son's room. <laughs> right? <laughs> Fuck. Jackie simply chose to laugh this off and joke about it saying, "Oh, that's where those went." What the fuck? Uh I'm pretty sure this reaction's going to backfire on you jackie dan was intentionally being inappropriate and naughty it was a cry for attention so to speak he wanted his mom to yell and punish him but she did not but this wasn't all they had found Mm -mm. simon and jackie also found tubes of toys boxes and such full of dan's urine and feces that's not weird everywhere like if you go into a small child's room or like your uh like your room where everything's in totes and it's labeled and, you know, I've got my Star Wars shit, I got my Lego shit. He had gone in there and pissed and shit all over his stuff. I also Just said, totes of urine and fecal uh, matter. I said tubes of toys. It's tubes. not tubes of toys, it's, it's tubs. Tubs. How totes. about that? <laughs> Rewind. Remix. Tubs <laughs> of toys. <laughs> Remix. <laughs> Dan had repeatedly defecated on many very expensive toys, and they were completely ruined. Dan didn't care about the value of these items, respect his things, or his mother's. This was due to an emotional distress, muted schizophrenia, maybe? 
Dan was showing how much he hated his mother by ruining everything that she had bought for him. Jackie told Simon that this is just what kids do. No, Jackie, it's fucking not. Pull your head out of your fucking ass. I know it's going to hurt at first, but <laughs> you'll be fine. Tuck and roll. <laughs> it's it's one of those things where I could see a small child doing it. Right. Where they're like, you know, I peed outside or I pooped outside or, you know, I actually babysat a, a child that was like four or five who took a dump in his closet and was right. like, eh, you know, he was in there playing. He needed to dump the bathroom was far away you know Her daughter shit in the backyard for no apparent reason. right she's seven so i mean it does happen but when you are now turning into a like 10 11 year old boy and you're repeatedly defecating and urinating into your personal belongings it's a little weird I, it's, you you just made it weird <laughs> Mm-hmm. Simon said that he would have Dan committed or placed in a home at that point, but he didn't make the calls regarding Dan. Mistake, sir. If you're going to threaten, you have to follow through. I found that out the hard way. And she, well, I mean, it's not his son. They're not married. Right. So he's teetering on that. You've asked me to come and stay in your home more, and you've asked me to make these disciplinary action decisions, but yet she's still, you know, he says something to her and she's like, ah, you know, it's just kids being kids. Where where do you go from that? Do you grab her and shake her and try to reset her like a fucking Etch-A-Sketch and go, no, this isn't fucking right. Your kid needs help. Or do you back off and go, all right, fuck it, man. It's your kid. Yeah, he's in a rock and a hard spot right there. And Dan just wants to get... He wants her to get mad at him for something because he's getting away from away with everything at this point. So people who get away with everything are going to keep doing what they want to do in hopes that maybe they'll get in trouble because that shows them some attention and whatever. Bad attention. Bad attention is better than no attention. Yeah. So and it goes both ways because, you know, she tried to confront him over the pizza and he spazzed out. Yeah. So did he take that? as now's my time to really, you know, hurt her and show her that I'm in control. I am the boss. <sighs> Why would he sleep in the room with all the piss and shit, though? I Ugh. did. Yeah, that's fucking gross. That's beyond what Angel can... Mm-mm. Right. Dude, if I had seen that... Goodness. Yep. Well, even though Simon was totally horrified with all the piss and shit and underwear that they have discovered, he just continued cleaning the room with Jackie because... Uh, I am really just so sorry, but that would be a situation in which I'm like, you're on your fucking own, bitch. Yeah, you're going to have to burn the house down Mm -mm, or get a fire hose. I don't know what the fuck you're going to do, but you're on your own. (laughs) I'm going to go get you some more gloves and paper towels, but boo-boo, you on your own. Uh No, sir. If this is what it. kids do. What moms do is clean that shit up. So go for it. <laughs> That's about the time I'm like, mm-mm-mm. These no. are your kids. You did that. So... So... The word so is really starting to burn me to my very fucking core. And if I could stop saying it... That's what I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> it's really annoying. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Every time I say that, and it's usually like the part that I can't cut out. I'm like, why the fuck do you keep saying that? What is wrong with your brain? There goes that extensive vocabulary. So, So, Lord have mercy. 
At this point, Dan is not getting the attention that he so desperately craves. And he's acting on other fantasies now. And he runs away. Oh, God. That's going to go well for you, Dan. You're a fucking douchebag that shits in boxes. <laughs> You're like a fucking untamed cat. <laughs> a feral cat. At least it's shitting in the box. Right. It was said that he did this for multiple reasons and that he had done similar things before, not like fully fledged ran away, but would disappear away from the home for extended periods of time and then show up later and be like, well, here I am. That's what kids do, though. Yeah, but that's what kids do. I used to do that as a youngster not to get back at my mom or anger my mom or worry my mom. I was just playing and I would disappear and like not check in for hours and hours. And then I would hear my brothers outside, Angel! like hollering throughout the entire neighborhood or they would come like door to door looking for Uh me at my friends' house and then the one time I remember I was over playing with a couple of my friends my brothers came and got me I'd been gone for like seven and a half eight hours just playing my guts out they took me home and my mom was standing in the front yard with a belt I was like I hope one of you two did something wrong and that's not for me. (laughs) No, I got spanked for not checking in and staying gone because that's, you know, the 80s. You have to tell me when you go to a different house. Oh. Um, And they sat outside my mom's bedroom door and they were counting how many licks I got. Oh, no. And I only got three. Swap, swap, swap. Only three that was them, both of them, in unison. Only three? That was me. I would have got 10, I'm 15. Like, I don't know. bitches, I was like seven. Dan takes off. And he had done similar things like this before, but it wasn't to this extent. He takes off. Jackie reaches out to Simon. She's really worried about Daniel, and they call the police. Now, this would be Daniel's first run-in with the law. Ooh. Dan had run away and returned to his childhood home that his mom sold in the divorce. Hmm. This was yet... The professionals, the therapists and every and everybody that looked at this case, that this was yet another manipulation tactic for making Jackie feel guilty. You moved me away. This is the place I felt safe. This is the place I felt stability. Or was he just returning to that place to be like, fuck you. Now we both hurt. Oh. Hard Check, to say. Checkmate, bitch. Right? Hard to say. Simon said that Jackie hoped that Dan's behavior would eventually simmer down and go back to normal. Finger quotes. Normal. What is normal? Was Dan ever normal? I don't think so. You want him to go back to shitting in the boxes? Is that what normal is? I don't know what his behavior was like prior to the divorce. Was he a model kid? Was he that, you know, helpful, spry, adorable, bright-eyed little boy? Or was this something that he had always been and it just really kind of, you didn't know? Was his dad involved? Did they say anything about that? Or has he kind of exited the picture? I think it was... I think that he did spend time with his father, but it was minimal. It wasn't, you know, every week. It wasn't every other weekend. It was kind of like whenevs type shit. Yeah, right. That usually has a big role to play. I know we're putting it all on moms right now. Right. But a lot of dads disappearing. Oh, fucking daddy issues are legit. Even with boys. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mommy and daddy issues run deep on boys or girls. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're really lucky and you get both. <laughs> uh, Jackie's looking at the situation. Maybe it'll just simmer down. It'll go back to normal. Just give him a minute. Let him fucking hurt his little brother. Let him run away. Let him piss and shit in, in tub totes. Tub totes. Toy totes. Tube. Tubes. Tubes. boxes. But it did not. And it got worse than before. Obviously. Dan was actually taken in... Okay, so he's in school and they take him to 
the in-school counseling center. And he started pitching. What ha- See, what happened was he started pitching a fit in the middle of class. All right. He's telling, he's like clawing at his neck where his tie is. Okay. And he's like clawing at his neck and he's pulling at this tie, which he named Fred. All right. Let's just put a red flag up right there. Yeah. He named his tie Fred. And he begins squirming and squealing, and he's telling the kids in class that Fred is trying to strangle him, and Fred is talking to him, and he's hearing voices, and the voices are telling him to hurt people, more specifically, to stab them with knives and kill them. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. There were requests made by the school for Dan to see a specialist, and Jackie declined and did not seek out additional help for Dan. Now, they wanted him to go see a specialist, what she agreed to based on the information that I have and understand, is that she agreed that he would continue to see an in-school counselor slash therapist, but she did not take him to outside sources or any kind of specialist for, you know, potential schizophrenia or borderline disal- uh, borderline personality dis- disorders or like DID or whatever. She chose to put a lid on it. Jackie was like, we're going to put this on the DL. We're going to sweep it under the rug. If we pretend like it doesn't happen, we're going to pull the ostrich. Yep, we're doing the ostrich theory. Ostrich theory. If I don't see it, it's not there. Right. If I put my head in the fucking sand, my kid's not a creepy weirdo. Right. She didn't even tell his father, Adrian. What the fuck? So this goes back to how much involvement did his dad really have? Was it his choice? Her choice? A little bit of both? Eh. Mm. Hard to say. So not even dad knew that Fred was trying to strangle him, and apparently people need to be stabbed with knives and killed. Um, I don't care who you are. That's the first person you should call, because that is the child's other... Unless the guy is a total cunt bag. But still, come on. It's their kid, too, at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah. Simon and Jackie both did not believe the stories that Dan was telling about hearing voices and having mental issues. They later determined that Dan was sound mentally and emotionally... Not sure why the school requested he see a specialist if they later found him to be sound, but Dan would also go on to tell the therapist that Jackie did not treat him well. Simon believes that all of Dan's stories and lies were not just for attention, but a setup for something eviler. Eviler. Evil, like the fruits of the devil. <laughs> the devil. <laughs> Professionals say it was yet another manipulation. That, that's the word. Manipulation, sympathy, ploy. The professionals think he was more of a psychopath than anything else. Right. Had Jackie intervened sooner, would Dan have gone so far off kilter? I don't know. Dan felt a serious rejection and had low self-esteem. Never could process the life-altering changes in a healthy way. Uh, constant blaming of his mom built a thought process that nothing was his fault. After the crime, when asked if he planned the crime, Dad said that he didn't plan on killing Jackie at that specific time. Neighbors reported a fight at roughly 1 a.m. on Easter Easter Monday. Do they have Easter Monday in the UK? That's what it said. All right. Well, I don't don't know. So Easter Sunday and then... Easter Monday? Easter Monday. I don't know. Tell us, in the UK... 
How does what, your holiday what work? What is this? Yeah. We it just said know. in the in the book that I read, or not the book, the articles and stuff, and in the documentary, it was said Easter Monday. So All right. I don't know how we'll they do shit over there. We'll go with Easter Monday. Maybe their Easter bunner stick. Easter bunner. Easter bunner. Easter bunner. Mm. Maybe their Easter bunner stays around for an extra day. Extra. We get extra bunny. Jesus is coming back. Quick, hide the eggs. Or <laughs> is Easter Monday for mom's bunny? Oh, oh the rabbit. <laughs> What'd you get in your basket? Batteries. <laughs> oh god what did the bunny give you <laughs> orgasms <All> energizers <laughs> just keeps going and going and going oh, jesus god. what is wrong with us everything yeah, all of it Yeet. all the things anyway back to the fight on at 1 a.m on easter monday they said that Jackie and Dan were having a, lard, ar, a loud argument over... They were having Jesus. a lard. God, I, my function is not there. My function. Nope. Jackie and Dan were having a loud argument over shoes. And the next thing you know, silence, followed by a fire erupting from Jackie's bedroom. Fire and police were called to the residents in the Arnold neighborhood. Simon had heard about the fire, but didn't think anything of it. What? What? Now... Did he? See, I'm assuming that he saw it either via the news because it was a large house fire in a neighboring neighborhood, and he knew that that was Jackie's neighborhood. But for some reason, he didn't think to like, "Hey, man, there's a fire in your neighborhood." Even if it's not in their house, if there's a fire, like if you were watching the news and they're like, "Large house fire on North Vernal Avenue," you would call me and be like, "Yo, Is your house on fire." If if your house isn't on fire, is it fucking near you? Get the hell out. Even if they said Vernal Avenue, I'd be like, I don't care what area they said. Yeah. Is your house on fire? Right. Are you alive? Well, Simon didn't think it was that big of a deal. All right. And he later texted Jackie's sister, who told him that Jackie was missing and that her home was on fire. Later, a conversation would be had where it was discussed that Jackie's remains had actually been found. Dan, his dog, and his little brother Dom all emerged from the house unharmed. This made Dan out to be the hero, and here he is, completely unscathed. He's got his little brother and his dog, and that was the image that he wanted. He's, like, bursting out through the flames. Yeah, like, it's like some backdrop shit. And there's shit. music playing in the background. It's all like, fuck it. <laughs> like that scene at, oh, why am I laughing? Don't laugh. That scene out of National Lampoon's da na 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 He's like, oh, look at me. I'm the fucking hero. That's right. kind of what he wanted. When he was asked about the incident, Dan told officials that he had found the hammer on the floor after Jackie had been bludgeoned by an intruder, an unknown intruder that the dog didn't bark at, made it into the house, repeatedly smashed Jackie in the head with the claw, put it on the ground, dropped it on the ground. And when he came into the room... He said that he picked it up and he threw it at the intruder who had escaped out the window of his mother's bedroom after setting the fire and jumped off like onto the roof and then down into the garden and off he went and he escaped, but right. he escaped. <laughs> right. Right. So an intruder gets into the house. Nothing from the dog. Crack, 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 crack. Smashes old mum in the head with claw hammer. Drops it on the ground, starts a fucking fire. Dan comes in, picks up hammer, throws it at intruder, who mission impossible his way out the window and out of the house. Here's the fun part. 
Dan was seen by neighbors and officials, and he was in crisp, neat, clean clothes watching the fire burn the fucking house to the ground. Neighbors noticed this and found it to be very odd. Here's why. Several noted that Dan was not the cleanest kid. Obviously, if he's shitting in boxes in his room and still sleeping in there. So, he is not winning any hygiene awards, but here he is, completely showered, fresh, clean clothes, and you would assume, I would assume, I'm not, I won't speak for anybody else, I would assume that if you had been in a house that was engulfed in flames, not only would you be dirty, you would have some smoky smell on you. A little not bit. Not To see him like that on that morning was not ordinary, and it was something that people are looking and they're like, wait a minute, did he clean up before the rescue of his dog and his little brother? Because he had to have. If he's standing out there in clean clothes and he doesn't stink like a campfire or a burning body, because let's oh, face it, dude, God. burning hair and burning mm-hmm. flesh. <laughs> Dan attempted to stick to this story when it's interrogated by police, but they found holes in his story and behaviors and blamed Dan for the crime. Gee, I wonder why. April 2nd, 2012, one year after his after the murder, Dan was sentenced for the murder of his mom, Jackie. <clears throat> Dan loved being on trial. He was receiving a lot of attention, and he found it to be funny and somewhat of a game to convince the jury of things like, I blacked out in a fit of rage after a very intense fight with my mom, and I don't remember hurting her. Dan was beaming with false confidence and acted as though he had done nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Simon, who was presented for the trial, said, Anytime Dan was giving testimony, he sat smiling and smirking. Jesus fucking Christ. Just classic sociopath, Mm -hmm. narcissistic behavior. Like, oh, look at all these people. They're here for me. They're looking at me and they believe everything I say and they feel bad for me. And Mm -hmm. I can say whatever I want. Dan would soon lose that confidence when police located his stories and scripts to an ex- on an external hard drive. He was convicted by his own hand. Dan had deleted the originals, but not clever enough to hide or destroy the hard drive, keeping all of his secrets. He was convicted of premeditated murder. Write a story about it first, You're okay? not so fucking clever now, are you? Huh. Hmm. Maybe think your shit through. Or maybe know that you don't know everything when you're fucking 14. Boom. Poof. Yeah, that doesn't happen, dude, and it doesn't get any better the older they get. They no. still think, I've got one that's mouthy and combative and wants to, ar- he's very argumentative and he wants to, like, dispute and debate everything as though his fucking life depends on it. And the other one just goes deaf, dumb, and blind whenever you try to speak to it, so. I chose the deaf, <clears throat> dumb, and blind approach myself. Ugh, wow. God. Wait, what? What? No, uh, I no. What? You told me to be home at eleven thirty, not eleven. You should write things down. I used to do. <laughs> there was a method to my madness, and especially when my mom was still working because she worked two jobs. If you went and woke her up and you said, "Mom, I'm going to take the car. I'm going to be gone for like five or six hours. I'll call and check in, okay?" And she'd be like, "Yeah, okay, goodbye." And then you know you'd be gone all fucking night. Come rolling in at like two, three o'clock in the morning. She'd be like, "Where the fuck?" been i'm like hey man i woke you up and asked for permission you said it was okay and then it like i only got away with that a handful of times and then it was like no you asked me before i go to bed and i was like oh fucker (laughs) dan back to the ranch dan later admitted to basically killing jackie he admitted to loving violence he went on to tell the jury in graphic 
graphic detail how he murdered his mom. Oh the my jury, God. Mm-hmm, the jury called Dan cold, calculated, and a classic psychopath. Jackie's camouflaging of Dan's warning signs eventually ended her life, which is really, it's sad. But at the same time, you're like, lady, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. But your kid is plotting to fucking murder you. And you have no idea because you're not paying attention. Well, because we all want our kids to be normal. We want all want our kids to be the best and whatever. And some people can't handle the fact that, guess what? You're, my kid has something wrong with him. I'm going to take care of it instead of, of like hiding it. Oh, right. no. I, no, no. Well, I don't even care if my kids are normal as long as they're like happy and well adjusted and not stabbing puppies in rucksacks. You know what I mean? I'm just or, like, Yeah, mm. writing murder stories at age nine. Exactly. I don't know. They are now bringing witnesses to the stand, and they're testifying against Dan. And Simon stated that he was actually really worried about Dan ever being released from prison because he truly believed that Dan would hurt others again, even him, and especially because Dom and Simon had actually taken the stand against Daniel. So, (laughs) Simon on camera said that Dan will have all of the time to sit and stew about Anything he said, anything Dominic says, you know, now he sees that his little brother betrayed him. In his eyes, his little brother has betrayed him, took the stand against him. Simon, who never liked me and is full of lies, testifies against him. Daniel Bartlem was actually sentenced to prison, but they don't have life. And he didn't get like a life sentence. He'll actually see release from prison in 2027. Oh, good. That Mm -hmm. sounds like what he should do. Yeah. Which isn't that far off. No, and I wonder how he's behaving in there. I don't know that part. I wonder if he's going to fuck up and end up staying in there because obviously he's got issues. So I doubt he's following the rules there because that was his one of his main things is that he he doesn't want to follow the rules. I do what I want. However, back to that manipulation shit. Right. I'm going to do what you want. I'm going to say what you want me to say. I'm going to be that perfect person. Mm -hmm. And all the while in his head, the cogs could be turning that he's like, as soon as I get my hands on that slimy Simon. Right. You never know. Which takes us into a different case. Now, this case leads me into another case that chaps my ass. Like, a lot. Because, much like Daniel's mom, even though she's a decent person who is well-liked, her actions are created in a, like a, an emotionless, subhuman piece of shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This next person that we're going to talk about has zero give a fuck for the life and well-being and happiness of other people. How many of you are familiar with Ethan Couch? You are. If not, he's most famously known as the Affluenza Teen, and that should actually ring some bells. If it doesn't, for those of you across the pond and on the far stretches of the globe, this kid was on trial for a bunch of stuff we're going to talk about, and his defense came up with the most absurd shit you've ever heard in your entire fucking life, and basically the Cliff's Note version of this The defense said he was, okay, so this kid's being charged with manslaughter, and the defense said that Ethan, at age 16, committed these crimes, but he didn't think he was doing anything wrong because he was suffering from a case of affluenza, which means I was never punished, I come from a really well-off family where everything was always taken care of me, I don't know the difference between right and wrong. Hmm. So... At 16, he takes off in his dad's very large, very expensive two-ton truck. Right. 
<clears throat> for a joyride. Mm-hmm. He stole beer, two cases from Walmart, with some friends, got trash, smoked some weed, and took some Valium. Sounds like a really good time. <laughs> Sounds like a regular Friday night for me. For a 16-year-old. Fuck. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> While he was zipping around in his dad's truck, it's, it was a 2012 Ford F-350 with a suspended license. His truck held seven passengers, including some in the bed of the truck. Couch was driving 70-plus miles an hour down a two-lane road where Brianna Mitchell's SUV had stalled. Holly Boyles and her daughter Shelby, who lived nearby, had come out to help her, as had passing youth minister Brian <coughs> Jennings. Couch's truck swerved off the road and into Mitchell's SUV, then plowed into Jennings' park ca- parked car, which in turn hit an oncoming Volkswagen Beetle. The truck then flipped over and hit a tree. Mitchell, Jennings, and both Boyles were killed, while Couch and his seven teenage passengers, none of which were wearing seatbelts, survived, although one was paralyzed. As did the two children in Jennings' car and the two people in the Volkswagen. The passenger who was paralyzed in the crash, who had been riding with Couch, cannot talk or move. Three hours after the incident, Couch had a blood alcohol content of 0.24%. Three hours after. Three which is three hours ti- later. Yeah, three hours later, later. Which is three times the legal limit for adult drivers in Texas. Four dead, nine critically injured, one left basically vegetated. Yeah, full, like his, he suffered a a traumatic brain injury that left him a total vegetable. Can't speak, can't move, nothing. Couch was charged with four counts of intoxication, manslaughter, and two counts of intoxication assault. Tarrant County prosecutors were seeking the maximum, maximum sentence of 20 years imprisonment for Couch. Guess what he didn't get. However, the defense comes up with the super groovy affluenza defense. And this is what they call the cause and effect. Basically, the defense came in and was like, Ethan didn't know the difference between right and wrong because he's always been given everything he ever wanted. And he was never in trouble or held accountable for his actions. And his parents always came behind him and alleviated him of any responsibility. Mm -hmm. And so he didn't know that any... Thing he was doing was wrong. Now, if you look up the actual definition, I gave my fumble fucks and I tend here. Tend I rubbed them on your paper, paper and handed yeah. them to you. If you look up the actual definition of affluenza, a psychological malaise supposedly affecting wealthy young people, symptoms of which include lack of motivation, feelings of guilt, and a sense of isolation. Not exactly where they were headed with their defense case on good old Ethan. Well, here's going back into what they tried to say was his... How do I explain this? They came up with some examples of how Ethan had suffered from affluenza. Suffered. Suffered affluenza. Now, keep in mind, his parents are incredibly wealthy. They are divorced at this point. They divorced like when he was younger but still very very wealthy people they said at age 13 three years prior to his accident couch had been driving himself to school where he attended anderson private academy when he was questioned by the headmaster (laughs) get this shit 13 years old he's driving himself to school headmaster comes out and was like um hold up wait a minute why are you driving yourself to school you're 13 years old there's no way you have a license and this is prohibited here comes his dad 
Ethan calls dad. They're being mean to me and say I can't drive to school and I'm a prissy little bitch with a stick in my ass. Fuck dad, I can drive. Mm -hmm. Why can't I drive to school? Well, his dad comes flying through the door, says, I'll buy this goddamn school and fucking fire you. That was his response. Not that, you know, my kid is 13. It's prohibited. He doesn't have his license. This is completely not okay. No, he came in and was like, I'll buy this whole fucking school and fire you. Right. That's that was, how we should treat that, our kids exactly. when they do something that, wrong. Totally how I would do it. It's everybody else's <clears throat> fault. You weren't doing anything wrong. He was wrong to tell you that you were wrong. He can drive. He reaches the pedals. I saw his parking job. It was fine. Don't make me buy the school and fucking fire you. <laughs> he followed he the was, speed limit. What more do you want? He was want? in between the lines. He didn't Seat even ask to park. What the fuck? <laughs> Hands at 10 and 2. Mirrors were adjusted. Fuck is your problem? Right. Jesus. Well, <laughs> so after Daddy Couch threatens to buy the school and fire the fucking headmaster, Couch later withdrew from this school and attended a co-op school for a short period and he quit at 15. At the age of 15, Ethan was charged with minor consumption, possession of alcohol... Because he was found in a vehicle, yet again, that he wasn't supposed to be operating, with a nude, passed out 14-year-old girl in his vehicle. Wow. Mm-hmm. He was sentenced to probation. He had to take an alcohol awareness class, and he had eight hours of community service. <laughs> I looked into that a little bit further, and there were a few people in the same town they resided that said his father was eight. He was he was able to take care of most of these charges right. as well. So did he ever do the community service? No. I doubt it. They probably paid it off, huh? Yes. And did he ever attend an alcohol awareness class? Probably no. not. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now his parents are guilty of multiple offenses as well. Oh, this is fun. Fred Couch has been charged with criminal mischief, theft by check, and assault, but the charges were dismissed on August 19th of 2014. He was arrested for impersonating a police officer, allegedly displaying a fake badge, and... Sorry, I know! Sorry. This is a goddamn grown-up. Like, I could see if it was a 20-something that was like, hey, shmee, me. rich. Like, why the what fuck are you, are you doing this? <laughs> yeah, dude, I don't know. Anyway, he was allegedly displaying a fake badge during a disturbance call. <laughs> In 2013. Do you think he's just like so rich and bored? He's like, what the fuck should I do today? I, I don't know, but you're just like cruising around with your lights in your car and a phony baloney badge. badge. Yeah, I don't know. Like, we're not nine years old. We're not playing cops and robbers. No. What the fuck? Fred, what are you doing? Right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. In 2013, Tanya Couch was sentenced to a 500 dollar fine and six months community supervision order for reckless driving when she used her vehicle to force another motorist <laughs> off the road just mm -hmm. a friendly case of road rage yes so what happened to good old ethan couch let's tell you it was initially reported that as part of his sentencing their son would be sent for teen substance abuse and mental health rehabilitation to Newport Academy, an upscale residential treatment center in Newport Beach, California, with costs of upwards with costs upwards of $450,000 annually. Mhm. Mm the facility offers a 90-day program treatment program. I'm fucking $450,000 a year. For the low price. For the low, low price. <laughs> uh, this 90-day treatment program included horseback riding, mixed martial arts, massage, and cookery, interpretive dance, therapy, 
Oh, interpretive dance therapy, a swimming pool, basketball, and six acres of land. He basically went on vacation. If you like, if you're interested in this, please call us at one eight hundred. No, they literally Fuck just had yourself. like. Remember the Tampax commercial? You can go biking. You can go swimming. You can go horseback <laughs> right. riding. He just went on. A Tampax commercial for $450,000 a year. This kid literally just went on fucking vacation. However. He's like, wait, what's the catch here? could have, however. However, following a court hearing closed to the public, Judge Boyd instead sentenced Couch to an unspecific lockdown rehabilitation facility at his parents' expense. The time Couch would actually have to stay there was also unspecified. Couch was ordered to stay away from drugs, alcohol, and driving. Yeah, we'll see how well that pans out. A hearing on April 11th, 2014 revealed that on February 19th, Couch had begun treatment at the North Texas State Hospital, which is a state-owned inpatient mental facility in Vernon, Texas. Although the daily rate for the treatment facility is about $715, Couch's parents were ordered to pay $1,170 per month on a sliding scale. So they should have been paying $715 daily. Huh. They were paying just over $1,000 per month. And that was the state's sliding scale. They should have been paying way fucking more than that. Right. <clears throat> Especially for the fucking restitution on the people that you murdered. But hey. Fuck. The ordered maximum allowed on the payment schedule was that. Oh. So they got off super fucking easy. Yish. Yish, they did. Hold on. Let me take this. I didn't know. I, I keep... Hello. Recording for the podcast. What's happening? Oh. No, you're fine. What's going on? So the lady, I went to the county and she said we're Vernal City and told me that I had to go over there to pick up everything. She said that we have to have a building permit. And I asked her because I looked at it and it's asking for a contractor with their license number. I said, is that necessary? Do I have to have all of that? And she said, yes. And I, I, I don't know how accurate that is because we did the same thing at the Victorian and nobody had a contractor or license number. Okay. Okay. All right. So it's okay. As soon as I'm done here, I'm going to run to Vernal City, pick that up, get it all filled out so I can get a permit because they won't, the lady told me they won't even set an appointment for an inspector to come look until we have a permit. Okie dokie. Okay. Well, you're welcome. It was my brother-in-law. All right. I thought it was Spencer. Nope. I could just hear, like, the little bits of the voice. They all sound alike. Yeah. Okay. Couch's parents promised in court to pay the requested fee for their son's treatment, and there was also supposed to be 10 years of probation, and it was all supposed to be supervised. Well, Ethan, I don't follow the rules fucking couch, Hmm. right, was later found on social media partying and drinking with friends, and they had recorded it. I don't know if it was, like, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever, but he did get caught. The news made its way back to the papers and other media outlets. This, in turn, sent Ethan into some kind of little frenzy because he ditched out on meeting with his probation officer. And instead of checking in, him and his mom absconded to fucking Mexico. Why not? Yeah. What else are we going to do? Ole! (laughs) Margaritas! She. Well, 
mother couch, Tanya, took $30,000 out of her bank account and her and Ethan took off to Mexico to a resort. Now, after having their cell phones tracked, and guess how they got caught? This makes me incredibly happy. Yes, I love this part. They ordered a fucking pizza on an online app, and then they called to check on the status of their pizza. Bitch, you're in Mexico. There are street tacos to be eaten. Like, elotes. Like, delicious shit. Are you too good for a fucking street taco? Why can't you just go out and buy? With cash. Yeah. With cash. What the fuck are you doing ordering pizza in Mexico? What is wrong with you? Why are you using your own phone? Go get a fucking burner. God damn it. Do you not watch fucking TV? First 48. First 48. So there's that so word again. They get busted using their cell phones to get a pizza. Both Ethan and Mommy Dearest are extradited back to America on April 3rd of, no, excuse me, on April 13th, 2016, a Texas judge ordered Couch to spend 720 days in jail. Now, he was just recently released April 2nd of 2018. So they finally threw the book at him. Thank God he at least had to spend 720 days, which he should have done that in the first goddamn place. Yeah. Tanya Couch was charged with hindering apprehension of a felon, money laundering, and she remains free on a bond ahead of her trial. Ethan remains on probation, so at this particular juncture, that's kind of where we're sitting with him. So we shall see what happens. But while some could say his manslaughter charges were an accident, like, oh, he was fucked up and da 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 because I've actually seen that shit online on like looking up articles and people are commenting and they're like oh well you know he didn't go out and maliciously stab somebody or shoot somebody no he got really fucked up and plowed into a bunch of people and fucking killed four left one in a vegetative state like but you know what his friends aren't very clever either because your friend was way fucked up yo and you got in the car with him right how is that not malicious like, you know what can happen if you drink and do all this shit and then drive. Right. It, you, you're knowing But he doesn't know happen. the difference between right and wrong, Nikki. Obviously. <clears throat> exactly. <laughs> that's what we're saying. Fucking asshole. So that's kind of the thing that I'm talking about with mothers is his mom has gone and cleaned up behind him repeatedly. And when he was... At risk of being thrown in jail, she wasn't like, ah, man, you fucking made your bed, now lie in it. No, she took $30,000, laundered it, or attempted in which to do so, takes her son into another country. Come on, sweetheart, let's go to Mexico where you can't get in trouble. That's what she was thinking. Well, order your pizza and tell them where you are, you damn bitch. God. Teach your kids right and wrong. Make sure that they know what consequences are. But let's move on to some heavier hitters that we all know and love. Now, keep in mind, we're not going to get into the crimes. We told you that. No, this is all about, like, the last two we talked about what they did-ish, but we're just talking about their mothers or what might have fucked them up. Shmoms. It's That's short for shitty mom. (laughs) (laughs) Some of these we might cover, not might, some of these we're going to cover later in the depth that we like to do, but... Not today. Were these people that we're going to talk about psychos and violent already? Or were the spark plugs misfiring before their nasty childhood? I don't know because I can't even speak. Can we talk about your dad's twinsy? Yes. Oh, and for those that don't know, (laughs) my father, Dickie, 
Looks like Chuck. Looks like Charles Manson. He even admitted it. <laughs> he really does. Now I gotta, I'm got i going to have to post a picture and at oh, my dad's yeah. expense and be like, you know, my dad really does look like Charles Manson. However, we did meet his new doppelganger at a concert not so long Holy ago. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, that, that was the weirdest shit ever. We both would just stop and stare at the dude. I was We're like, like, holy fuck, that looks like my dad. Your dad has smoked too much funny shit and he is out of control. Dude, you need in this to get a hold of your fucking dad. I was <laughs> like, oh my God, he does look like my dad. He gets closer and you're like, dad. Oh, oh shit. Suck. I'm oh, so confused. Sp- dad, you're not supposed to be doing that. You're going to fucking break a hip. <laughs> now, if you don't know who Charlie is, you don't love true crime or you're you're not alive even before i was a true crime person i knew who he was well he's not a serial killer he was a driving force that led to several murders under his watch his mother kathleen maddox was a mere 16 when she gave birth she had not picked a name for him at the time of his birth and was simply he was simply referred to as no name It was said that Maddox was an alcoholic and she may have once sold him for a pitcher of beer to a woman looking to be his mother. Uh, Funny story. When my brother David was born, they hadn't agreed on a name. My parents hadn't agreed on a name. And his birth certificate for a period of time said unnamed Prue child. (laughs) (laughs) Like not even baby boy Prue. Nope. Unnamed Prue child. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) That's how you get. You're an unnamed prude child. You're an unnamed prude child. Maddox had very little to do with Charlie. His uncle had to track him down and take him from the woman and bring him back to the family. When Charles Manson was five years old, his mother was sent to jail. She and a friend had met a stranger named Frank Martin, who took them out for drinks. Kathleen decided that Martin had, quote, too much money for one man. All right. Can I have some? She calls her brother Luther. And they decide to rob him. She talked Martin into driving her, her friend, and Luther to a hotel. When they made it out of town, Luther made Martin stop and get out of his car. Luther then held a ketchup bottle filled with salt to Martin's back and claimed that he had a gun. <laughs> Stick him up. <laughs> it's like this. <laughs> yeah. Put your finger in the... I've got a gun. Got a you gun. Should, you should be scared. Skirt. <laughs> Are you scared? Are you scared? So, he's... <laughs> Sorry. Salt gun. He's got a salty ketchup gun. <laughs> salty ketchup gun. Salty ketchup gun. Well, Martin sees through the lie and Luther just beat the shit out of him in the head with the bottle and takes in all of his money. Anyway, the group escapes with a whopping $27 and they're all arrested shortly thereafter. It was so worth it. 27 bucks, dude. Woohoo. Yeah. Too much money for one. <laughs> too, too much money for one man. Apparently oh, one, $27. Man, one man only needs $7. Not 27. <laughs> not 27. $27. Uh, Kathleen was sentenced to five years in jail and Charlie was sent to live with his aunt. After three years in prison, Kathleen was released on parole. And in 1942, she comes home, gathers up her kid. She goes out. She rents one of the cheapest motels she could find and brought her then seven-year-old boy along with her to live along with her to live in this shanty shack fucking motel. Uh-huh. His mother had dismissed him and tried to sell him, but when she came home, she did something that was rare in Manson's life. She hugged him. Rare form of affectione. Right? I mm-hmm. mean, how how many times do you have to hug your kid in a lifetime? I mean, God, is it God. really that important? 
You're going to ruin them. <laughs> it seemed like a small gesture, but the love-starved boy, it meant or to the love-starved boy, it meant a lot. So much that later in his life, Manson would look back on that hug and call it his sole happy childhood memory. How sad is that? That's horrible. That's horrible. I'd rather have my kid fighting me off to hug him than be like, that one time my mom hugged me was the best day of my life. Right. The joy didn't last. By the time he was 13, his mother had started looking um, to get him into foster care. Kathleen knew she wasn't fit to take care of a child, so she tried to get Charles into the care of the state. Foster care wasn't available, but with some effort, she managed to get him into a reform school called the Gibalt School for Boys. Manson wasn't happy. He made a few friends and found the boys there untrustworthy. His only happy moments were the rare and sporadic visits by his mother, during which she would promise to take him home when she had enough money. After 10 months, Manson couldn't take it anymore. He broke out of the school and made it all the way back to his mother's home, knocking on the door, hoping to earn a more loving embrace. Or earn one more loving embrace. Instead, though... His mother told him that she couldn't handle him, closed the door on him, and sent him back. She never picked him up, and Manson never lived with her again. Before all of that, there was a period in time before him going to that reform school that he lived with his aunt and uncle, and they were super duper fucked up. And they treated him like he was the the child called it, basically, <laughs> type thing. Like he And if you haven't read that book, shit. shit. Yeah. And they fucked him up well before he went to that school. And then he went to the school. So this left Manson on the streets for the brunt of his childhood and would lead into prison time later. Um, And a lot of his run-ins with the law started in his teenage years. And that's just kind of the tippy tip of the iceberg. Yeah, because in the reform school, he got butt raped repeatedly. Oh, yeah. And turned around and raped the other kids there. Him and Pee Wee have a lot in common. Mm -hmm. And I think that what happens in these reform schools is kind of a common occurrence, Mm -hmm. which is really fucked up. Like, where the hell are the figures of authority? From what I read, and I know it's been a minute, but from what I read, they were like, that's just what happens. It's like a rite of passage. You get your ass raped and then you'll turn around and rape this other kid later when it's your turn. Um, it's, no. No. I don't like it. No. You, 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 no means no. Right? Jesus. Yeah. But there was a lot of things that took place, and like I said, we're not going to no. get into a lot of it because these are cases that we want to cover in depth later. So like I said, that's just the tippy tip of the iceberg. I know. Like, I get all excited. I'm like, but what about this? Th- yeah, no. Later. Later. No, and mom mom was super fucked. Mom was in prison, a psychotic prison. Not only that, but she had such a disconnect, which, you know, he he looks back on one memory of fondness with his mother where she hugged him. And that was what he clung to. And what's really unfortunate is that even at a very, very young age, she she was like, oh, you want a baby? You're trying for a baby? Well, here's one. Yeah. Here you go. Bring me another pitcher of beer. And then she fucking bails and mm-hmm. leaves this kid sitting there like, 
And it just, it, it was one, like that his entire childhood. Sorry. She didn't, didn't even get a shot out of it. Just one pitcher of beer. You could have, you could have gotten a nice fucking bourbon out of that. Right. You're you settled. Would Jesus. I, I want at least 50 grand out of one of mine. I know. <laughs> I got a healthy blue eyed baby over here. Real cute. Good teeth. Now mine has shitty teeth. Pretty, pretty eyes, but she's fucking evil as shit. Yeah, well, you don't fucking say that when you're selling no. them, dude. See these eyes? Look how cute it is. Make her is. do that thing where she, where she sticks goes, out her bottom little, lip. Mm-hmm. Bats are big old eyes. <laughs> mm-hmm. That'll get Mama. you every time. I know. Henry Lee Lucas. Anybody uh, recall this madman? Yeesh. Yeesh. Lucas had some pretty serious mommy issues. Of his victims, his mother was actually one of them. Hmm. And I know some of you well-versed true crimers are like, Henry Lou Lucas and Otis, Otis O'Toole. Uh, nope, nope, we're not doing O'Toole yet. No. Uh, not yeah. yet. I have I have Henry Lee Lucas on my fridge <laughs> my, my fridge list that people come in and they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> I had to move it to the side because not people, that people come here very often, but they're like, what, what is this list? What, I'm like, yeah. that's the one where I'm in the kitchen and I'm listening to a podcast or if I'm reading something and I'm like, oh, let's do this. Yeah. And I write it on the list. I have lists all over. I do too. Focus. Focus. Fuck. Fuck us. Fuck us. He actually beat her to death in 1960. But oh, good. Why? But why? So Viola Lucas, at the age of 41, gave birth to Henry Lee in Virginia. Oh 41. I know. My cousin, actually, she accidentally got pregnant at 41. Nope. <laughs> Little miracle baby, I suppose. Uh, the- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <What>? Sorry. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I suppose that. made me laugh a little bit. I, I suppose. I have fuck that, dude. At 41, if somebody was like, you're pregnant, I'd be like, what kind of what? fucking sorcery is this? What god did I make angry? Oh, shit. <laughs> That's, mm That is graduation when you're retiring, dude. Yep. No. No. No, no, no. She, okay, so she was 41, gives birth, born in Virginia. The family is incredibly poor. And like most destitute families back then, it included eight fucking hungry kids. Oh, God. Because... If you can't afford to feed one, you should most certainly add seven more. If Viola's- you think you can't afford <laughs> condoms, think about how much kids are. Motherfucker, you're going to spend to feed and clothe a child now. I bet by the time they hit like 25, you spend a million dollars. Fucking easy. Mm-hmm. I gar- I'm going to Google that shit. Statistically, it's got to be somewhere. Statistics. Statistics. Uh, the father was an alcoholic who had actually lost both of his legs in a railroad accident. I'm sorry that I laughed. It reminds me of Joe Dirt. (laughs) So, by all accounts, Viola was somewhat contentious. She, which appears to be the nicest way to put it. Okay, so all of the stories concerning Lucas basically devote the early pages in these tales of his mother's cruelty. The most infamous being that she sent him to school wearing dresses with his hair grown down to his shoulders and curled into rather becoming ringlets. He has things in common with Manson because his aunt and uncle did that shit. Yeah. Fuck. Did all of these people get together and like do some weird ritual, call the four corners, and they're like, how exactly can we fuck these kids up worse than they're already fucked up? So what it was was like an AA meeting, and it was <laughs> like a serial killer in the making meeting. Right. Like, how to raise a serial killer. Lesson one. 
Put a dress on it. SKA, Serial Killers Anonymous. Mm-hmm. Put a dress on it. Make it wear it to school. Right. Step two. <laughs> Flip the tape. Side A has been completed. That's what that reminded me of. Yes. During the year of 1960, when she was 74 years old, Viola visited her, visited her wayward son. They drank a considerable amount of alcohol and got into an argument that quickly escalated out of control. That's weird because usually when people drink, they don't argue. I don't know. This is, that's just new to me. Lucas the Younger hit his mother across the side of the neck, mm-hmm. but then discovered that he was holding a knife. Oh, 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 looky here. He decided to cut his losses and left his mother to bleed in to bleed to death on the floor. His sister later discovered her and called an ambulance, but it was too late for the old woman. Viola Lucas had been described as a sadist and a shameless prostitute who often entertained her lovers in front of her disabled husband and young children. Where have we heard that before? Mm-hmm. I mean, not to that ex- exact extent, but... But this may not have been entirely her fault, as she have she may have a mental disorder such as psychopathy or socio sociopathy. Also, her own child may have just as been as miserable as the poet Philip Larkin says, "Man hands misery down to man; it deepens like a coastal shelf. Get out early while you can, and don't have any kids yourself." Whoa. Viola Lucas may may not have been easy to deal with, but she still deserves a commemoration. How about our good buddy, Berkowitz? David Berkowitz. Dave. Do you remember the song that was playing like the... I wish I could remember the lyrics, but I was fucked up. I'd been drinking. We're in the Museum of Death. And there was a song playing that was like a goofy kind of a... Oh, man. How do I describe this? It was like a parody. And it was going off talking about different serial killers. And it was kind of like a goofy pretend uh, country song. I wasn't listening to it. And they had where he's like, and then David Berkowitz. And he went on to this whole thing. And I was vaguely listening to it because I was trying to make my way back to the theater. But it wasn't playing loud enough for me to hear. But I can like hear all the lyrics. But I can hear the twang of the music. I just remember the signs up on top, the alphabet, the serial killer alphabet, and it had little things like that all the way around the the roof. Ugh. Fuck. The roof. The roof. The ceiling. How about, not even the ceiling, just on the wall. Like, oh. the top of the wall. I don't know what the fuck. Like, not even that, bitch. The fuck. But there was, a, there was like, a little parody song that was playing, and they went off about David Berkowitz, and I was like, oh, and I've ha- I have the music, like, stuck in my head, but I don't know the lyrics. I didn't it even just, hear it. I was, it was, there was a lot going on in there, though. I just blocked it all out because I was like, tractor beam. <laughs> <laughs> I was focused on all the shit I was reading. And then I would read something and like, I was bouncing all over the place. I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. And oh my God. <laughs> Fuck. Look. Oh shit. Yeah. That's how I was Pretty there. much. So I old... didn't even know there was music playing. That's yeah. how bad it was for me. We got to go back. Yes. Anyway, he's a little bit harder to pull apart. David Berkowitz, if you don't know, was the son of Sam. He was adopted at birth by Pearl and Nathan Berkowitz. He was born Richard David Falco to an Italian-American man. Yeah, Tony Falco. And his mother was an impoverished Jewish woman named Elizabeth. They called her Betty, Betty Broder. 
He was conceived roughly three years into their relationship, and Tony Falco actually left Betty for another woman. Betty would then go on to another relationship with a man named Joseph Kleinman, and it was said that Betty gave Dave away as an infant because Kleinman threatened to leave her if she didn't and refused to let Betty use his surname for the kid. So that's why she used Falco, even though he had bailed and left her for another woman. All right. So Pearl Berkowitz had always wanted children, and she adopts. She gets little David. They change his name. Hmm. and she spoils the ever-loving shit. She dotes on him, and he could do no wrong. And a lot of people would go on to say that they had an obsessive bond that could be described as unnatural and dysfunctional. Weird. I wouldn't see that, considering how he ended up. <laughs> I wonder if she was fat. I don't... Oh, goodness. You fucking took it there. Well, since he doesn't like fat Sadie, he, he doesn't has like an experience fat with fat people. He does not like fat people. There was, uh, it might be in one of the books that I have at home or something that I was reading online that he did have like an unhealthy hatred of heavy people. Which is funny because he wasn't that fucking skinny himself. No, he was pudgy. He was yeah. a pudgy man. And if a girl's pudgy, then she's a fucking fat ass. But if a dude's pudgy, it's okay. Come on, David. Fuck yourself. <laughs> I'm sure you did a lot. You sorry no no so yeah he was richard david falco and they changed it to david richard berkowitz i was trying to get the name right in my brains well well so well so well so pearl had this one baby and apparently from what i understand she had been attempting to conceive she finally gets this kid and bonds with this child in a way that the neighbors are like, it's a little weird. It's a, it's a little weird, man. They would go on to say, Pearl allowed David to get away with everything. That he was a difficult bully who was spoiled and dangerous. It was noted that he had above average intelligence and that he lost learning at a very young age. And he started indulging in other things that caught his interest, like setting fires and petty theft. I wonder if he had an er, an active imagination. <laughs> By his writings, I would say yes. Um, Happy little meatballs. Happy. He was not uh, an artist, though. <laughs> he was not an artist. But he did have legible penmanship. Very legible. Yeah. It was pretty, actually. I'm just saying, for a guy. A was... lot of them, sorry, a lot of them had really good handwriting. A lot of the serial killers mm -hmm. that we saw... They had even they did even Fred West for a dude who didn't learn how to write until fucking right later. Actually, had very clean mm -hmm. penmanship. Ooh, you're right. Sorry, I think mm. about I think about weird things. I I think about weird shit. This is why I haven't slept all week. <laughs> Pearl and Nathan tried to get help for David, professional help with a psychotherapist, but nothing was ever really set in stone and completed, and nothing was ever seriously noted in any of his school records either. Going back to that obsessive bond that he had with his adoptive mother, Pearl's death would be especially hard on David, and she died of breast cancer when he was only 14. Oh. His adopted father would go on to marry three short leers. Three short leers. <laughs> Is that gonna, a we're just going to make up our own language. Yes. Three short leers. <laughs> what? <laughs> So three years later, three short years later, he remarries. And this, David took this ex like especially hard because he was still mourning the death of the mother, the only mother he'd ever known. 
and he super hated his stepmom and it started to embed this like hatred of women so was his mother heavy or was it the stepmom because he learned to hate fat people fuck i'm gonna go with stepmom potentially i i didn't dig that far into the stepmom um he had convinced himself that he had something to do with the death of not only his adoptive mother but he was under the impression that his real mother had actually died as well either during giving birth or shortly thereafter and he was under the impression that he had some somehow he had something to do with this and he harbored a lot of guilt for it does he like push the temples and be like i know this was my fault i (laughs) i don't know until 1974 when he located his birth mother who was who was not dead after a few visits the relationship lapsed during these visits his birth mother, Betty, told him about the illegitimate birth, how Falco left, and how Kellen... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kleinman? Kleinman. Jesus Christ, I was trying to make that a lot more than it was. <laughs> <laughs> Wanted nothing to do with him. This deeply disturbed David because he hated hearing about the reluctant father figures, how quickly his mom so quickly ditched him for a man. Hmm. hmm I think... I think this caused a serious glitch in the Matrix for David. Mm-hmm. He would go on to start his crime shortly after the diminishing visits. Did David's obsessive relationship with Pearl lead him to a codependent life? Did he also feel like he had something to do with her death as well as thinking he was responsible for Betty's, quote, death? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I see in going back when it... I wish there was more information. I've got to buy some books because the one that I wanted was out of stock. And that was... It's always the ones we want. You either can't get or they're fucking $300. (laughs) Like an unaffordable amount or they're currently out of stock. Because the one that I wanted when I popped into uh, Barnes and Nobles, they're like, oh, that one's out of stock. And I was like, how the fuck are you out of stock on a serial killer novel? Like, can you look at other stores? Well, apparently, (laughs) either... I know, I need to. When you're like, order it. I know, I need to. No, I meant them. Tell them to order it. Order it. Order it. You're out of stock. Fucking order it. Right? Send it to my house. So one kid that was standing at that store is like, oh, we've been cleaned out because apparently they had a project for blah, blah, blah at one of the colleges. They were like, the only thing we have left in the true crime section was all like mafia type shit, like Whitey Bulger and shit like that, which was kind of murder, but mostly like racketeering and extortion and mafia bullshit. And I'm like, not what I need. No. But apparently David Berkowitz was very popular. So anyway, I want to get some books because I want to know exactly what people saw that was obsessive between him and Pearl. Yeah. My favorite part of reading the books. I want to know. Because you always get that better information out of a book than you do. It's true, though. And every now and again, you'll like you'll get really lucky and they'll have the preview on Amazon and you can kind of flip through. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking and I'm reading and then it's like, this is the end of your preview. I'm like, you know what? One Amazon, more page. Fucker. <laughs> that was a sick fucking joke. Oh, that's, that's pretty cruel, you guys. Yeesh. So let's move on to Charles Albright, the eyeball killer. Mm, mm -hmm. Oh, goodness. (laughs) He definitely had a helping hand in the madness from his mother, Del. Not Adele, just Just Del. Del. Mm -hmm. 
Charles was adopted from an orphanage as an infant. His mother was a school teacher who was very strict with Charles. Dell was considered a germaphobe who made Charles scrub incessantly, change his clothes multiple times a day to discourage filth, as well as taking him to the polio polio ward to see the children confined <laughs> to the iron lung, also to discourage him from getting dirty. I'm like, <laughs> don't that- change your fucking clothes. <laughs> Man, I incur. If they're little, make that little bastard go outside and eat dirt and shit. Right. That's how you build their immune systems. At least that's what I. That's the lie my parents told me. <laughs> that's the lie I tell myself. We get sick a lot, but that's because I have three kids in three different classes, and it just continues to roll. Goddamn little petri dishes. I of know. Filth. But when they were younger and they weren't in school, they didn't get sick that often because they were always outside eating dirt or licking their shoes or what the fuck. <laughs> Whatever the fuck know. it was they were doing. <laughs> licking their shoes. I don't know. It was said by some that Dell had an unnatural and inappropriate re- relationship with Charles. But to what extent? Exactly. More are books. More books like, are needed. Are we talking like uh, Fred West with his mother? Or are we ta- at what level of inappropriate are we reaching? Right. Daisy West or Gus Gein? Right. I don't but know. People could also look at taking your child to the polio ward as inappropriate. Like, this is what's going to happen to you if you don't stay clean. Yes. You know what I mean? Wash your fucking hands or you're going to be in there. Dude, that reminds me of when... I was in grade school. Do you remember the Cox twins that we went to school with? Mike and... Um, no, but I can't not think about that now because you just said Mike Cox. <laughs> God damn it. Um, he had So it was Mike and I can't remember the, the other twins' name. But uh, anyway, we were in Mr. Manning's class. And you know how we used to like take the ballpoint pens apart and blow the ink out and like fuck with the cartridges? He made this huge fucking mess everywhere it was all over him it was all over the desk and mr manning grabbed him and was like what is this and he's got mike like this like hemmed up like a little puppet like a marionette drags him to the sink and he's like throwing ajax like the scrubby powder all over his skin he's like wash your hands and he's like like manhandling him like scrubbing his hands in the sink and mike's just looking at everybody like jesus christ that's what that reminds me of wash your hands Dell was very harsh with punishments as well and would deliver spankings or other beatings if he disobeyed or failed to display manners that she demanded. Mm -hmm. Another punishment that he would receive from Dell was to be locked in a dark room for extended periods of time all by himself. Is that not normal? As a small child? I I mean, you could do it a yeah, I don't know. At what age is it appropriate to lock your child in a dark room all by themselves? I, I age appropriate fucking punishments. I mean, I thought it was like eighteen months. I, I don't know. Two. I mean, <laughs> yeah. for the late bloomers, right? Two. I think that works. So she's locking him in these dark rooms for extended periods. Just I, and I don't even know what their version of extended period is. I mean, was it forty-five minutes? Was it a few hours? Right. Uh, so Dell, as the school teacher, was also very focused on his education, and she accelerated his education so far that he was actually able to advance two grades, which, good for you. However, I think at a young age, you need that social skill and you need that opportunity to, like, not only grow at, like, socially, but two, two grades. Yeah, that's a lot. It's like Doogie Howser shit. Right. 
And he was a fucking weirdo. Uh, yeah, and but depending on what grade it is, though, if you're like, if, like my second grader, put her up in fourth grade, she's not going to be able to socially function there. She's not no. going to know what to do because she's maturity. Not, yeah, yeah, maturity level. That's not. No, you can't be seven hanging out with twelve year olds and shit. Right. So, whenever his aunt was around, she would give him dolls and make him wear dresses. I don't know why this is a thing. I see a pattern. Right? Right. He was difficult to control, and his mother was very strict, very overprotective, and she pushed his education harder than what should have been, you know, the two grades. But not only that, it was when you come home, we're going to sit down, we're going to focus on this, and then we're going to focus on this, and then we're going to learn this. And then we're going to wash your hands. And then we're going to wash your (laughs) hands! The only thing that she did allow him to do outside of what she wanted him to do <laughs> was taxidermy. He got his oh, first God. gun. <laughs> yep. He got his first gun and then he, as a teenager, and then he made his pastime of shooting small animals like squirrels and rabbits and then he would stuff them because he wanted to become a taxidermist. And his mother was like, oh, okay. So she encouraged it and helped him stuff the animals, like skin them, stuff them, Post them, whatever. All right. Now, she couldn't afford the glass eyes that are used by professional taxidermists. Instead, she gave him a bunch of buttons and other things to fixate into their sockets. Googly eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Sorry. Sorry about that. Psychologists later would put into theory that essentially being forbidden from using eyes played a part in forming his criminal pathology and why he was so obsessed with removing the eyes of his victims that makes sense so was that was that the only control that he had because his mom was like you will bathe when i say bathe you will change when i say change you will wash your fucking hands you will (laughs) you will do you know reading writing arithmetic you will skip two grades you will be smart you will you will you will you will dress like a girl for your aunt so killing things and stitching buttons on him he's like fuck this bitch and fuck this bitch, which turned into fuck this bitch and then took her fucking eyes out. Right. And then, you know, the only thing that she ever encouraged that he enjoyed was taxidermy. And then she gave him the shit to put in their eyes. Hello, murder, platter. Platter. Hello. (laughs) It's like that, uh, was it Red Dragon where he put the mirrors in the eyes? I, I don't was. know. I haven't seen that. I oh, didn't shit. get very far in that movie before I bitched out. Oh, Sorry. come on. It was Did right you get after to see, it came uh, out. You get to see old boy nude from the back, and he's his bottom half is quite exquisite. Isn't his bottom half in American History X right before somebody tries to put their thing in it? You're Are you talking wrong. about Edward Norton? No. Oh. No. Ralph Fiennes. Who's Lord that? Voldemort. Oh, God. His, yes. He's ripped as shit, too. But mm-hmm. yeah, you get to... I've seen Edward Norton nudie, benudie in a lot of different ways. And not I'm, mad at it. Nope, not upset at all. I'd like to see it in person. Uh, there is... Ed? A, um, <laughs> Sorry. Excuse, please. My friend's being inappropriate. <laughs> she forgot if, to say please. <laughs> 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 Fucking manners, Nikki. If you're listening, I'll say please. <laughs> oh, please and thank you. <laughs> Uh, Alexander Sarsgaard, he actually played uh, Eric Northman in True Blood, and he's been in a couple different movies, but he's this great, big, blonde-headed, blue-eyed, like, fucking Norseman, 
And uh, there's an international film that I, I haven't watched the entire thing, just clips of it, but there's a scene where he's in the shower and you get to see his dong. And I was like, oh, be still, my little heart. <laughs> Mother fucker. Mother All right. of God. Mother of God. You're never going to get it with those thin little bird lips. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Moving on. We're going to talk about Donald Pee Wee Gaskins, which he's also part of the My Mom's a Fucking Lunatic Club. Oh, fuck. (laughs) We'll just put put this on the fucking list. I actually, I'm very excited to cover him, but the one book that I want is his autobiography. It's called The Final Truth. Good luck finding that motherfucker. And if anybody has a copy, I don't give a shit. If you rob somebody to get it, if you're done with it, please let me borrow it. I will fucking return it. I swear to Jesus I will. But that book is expensive as fucking it's hard to find. And I want it. And that's the final truth. (laughs) And I need it. And that's the final truth. Gaskins was born to a very, very young unwed mother named Yulia. 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 E-U-L-E-A. I'm going to call her Yuli. Yeah, because it's like urologist. (laughs) It looks weird. Uh, Last name Parrot. Donald was born very, very small, only four pounds, which earned him the nickname Pee-wee, or they called him Junior. And even, like, no matter how old he got, he was still smaller than his siblings that were younger than him. Aww. So they all just remind... They used to tease him. Pee-wee, pee-wee, always touching his pee-pee. Oh, goodness. Mm-hmm. And that's the final truth. And that's the final truth. I can't stop, because the, the last podcast on the left episode about him, like, they just go off on that shit. And I said it for, like, six months, and then it never caught on, because nobody else knew what I was talking about. Now I can say it. That's final truth. <laughs> and that's final truth. I want that fucking book. I do too. We God might have it. to. Well, well, you can. Can we go fund me for that book? Because didn't you find it for like 150 bucks or some shit? Yeah. Yeah. I, at this particular juncture, I, I'm willing to do some pretty sketchy shit to get that book because you uh-huh. can read the preview on Amazon and it's got a pretty lengthy, but it skips like it'll be pages four, five, six, and then jump to 58. So you're getting like a little piece of different chapters and you're like, fuck. You dick teasing son of a bitches. You dick, te- you <laughs> dick teasing sons of bitches. Uh, Yuli dropped out of, out of school at the age of 12 to help her family raise tobacco and tend to the fields. His mother never had much of an interest in him. At the age of only one, Pee-wee drank kerosene and had seizures until he was three because of it. Good parenting, Ma. But I guess when you're a young mom, you, I mean, you don't even know how to be responsible for yourself. How the fuck are you going to be responsible for, for a, a kid? Tot. Exactly. Yeah. Pee-wee never really knew his full given name until he was being addressed in court for criminal charges. Yeah, they were like... Uh, so what do we call this kid? Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. In a little. Pee-wee's father was Donald Gaskin Sr. and was a well-to-do man, a wealthy neighbor who paid Yulia... You, I'm still fucked up on that name. Yeah, I am not 100% sure how to... <laughs> some people call... Uh, there were there were some articles and some pieces that called her Molly. And right. I don't know how accurate that is. I think that's how you pronounce that. Molly. Molly. <laughs> I read that in a fucking thesis paper from some college students who went to like Sanford and I was like Molly because if you look at everything else including in the final truth her name is spelled U E or E U L E A but I don't know how to fucking pronounce it because I'm stupid. Well whatever her name is his Mr. Donald Gaskin senior paid her a dollar a week for sex. Mm-hmm. I don't know how she pa- I mean 
That's that's some money right there. Fucking lucrative is what that is. <laughs> Eventually, she fell pregnant at the age of 14, 15-ish. Mm-hmm. And Gaskins went on to pay her $10 a month to live in a small three-room shack to raise Pee-wee. Throughout Pee-wee's childhood, Yulia and Mr. Gaskins would have sex in front of Pee-wee. That's very healthy for a child. Just mm-hmm. don't you know? Totally normal. They would often laugh at Pee-wee when they were having sex and push him away when he tried to make them stop. She had many lovers and had sex with several men for money throughout Pee-wee's childhood. Many of the men involved in Yulia's life were alcoholics and would often abuse and sexually assault Pee-wee while his mother watched. Fucking great parenting, bitch. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Pee-weekin said the... (laughs) Sorry, I'm laughing at Peewikins. I get it. <laughs> Said the one that she married would knock him across the room just for practice. Yulia did a very little, if anything, to protect Peewee and his half-siblings from the beatings of the stepdaddies. That's what he referred to all the different men coming in and out. She only married one, but they would refer to these guys coming in and out of the house as the stepdaddies. I have a little, my little brother Steve is the same age difference as Pee Wee and his mother. Like, I could be Steve's mom if I was oh. 14. How weird is that? He's like grown up and married. Uh, Pee Wee was teased and made fun of in school by all of the other children because of his small size, and he was constantly covered in bruises from the stepdaddies. Pee Wee's teachers blamed Pee Wee for all of his problems with the other kids, and he would often receive beatings from the teachers for not getting along with other kids. So not only is he coming to school, he's a poor kid, he's probably not well-dressed, he's probably not well-bathed, he's covered in fucking bruises, he's a tiny little kid, and the kids are fucking picking on him, making fun of him, so he gets into fights with the kids. Teachers come out, and they're like, fucking Pee-wee, so they beat his ass, too. And they're like, get along with everybody. Be Aww. nice to the little guy. He did a little good. He t- You're going to turn him into a psycho. <laughs> Spoiler. <Guys>. Spoiler alert. <laughs> You're going to fuck him up. Uh, eventually, Pee-wee hated going to school, and so he would hide out in the woods all day instead of going, and he quit somewhere around the age of eight, from what I understand. All right. So he had a very short-lived educational career, remedial at best. Uh-huh. In Pee-wee's autobiography, The Final Truth, he goes on to talk mm-hmm. about how girls... This this kind of fucked me up when I was reading it, and this is what sucked me in where I was like, fuck me, I've got to read this book. Pee-wee would go on to say, girls pissed him off and how they uh, they only had one thing that he wanted and that he couldn't fuck it and he couldn't even look at it. So, back in the day, the girls, when they would use the restroom, would actually go out behind the the buildings, and there was like a little trough or like a ditch dug, Mm -hmm. and they would pull down their panties and lift up their skirts and go potty, and he got busted once, like watching them go potties, Mm -hmm. and he got in trouble. Anyway, he would also mention how girls got to control everything with their vaginas and boss him around and even beat him up, and he could do nothing about it. And he would say, you know, the girls are allowed to hit me, pinch me, pull my hair. But if I do it to them, then I get beatings. And he's like, you know, these girls are lucky I don't fuck them. I, all I want to do is look at it and they won't even let me look. All right. Yish. So it was kind of like his mother's choices to expose him to sex and violence and the abuse that he received. Because once again, Pee-wee also went to a reform school where he was repeatedly raped upon entering this reform school. He was actually gangbanged by 20 of his schoolmates. Jesus Christ. That's 20. Yeah. 
That's not far off from no Charles. Yeah. And I'm just like, Jesus, co- Jesus Christ. Jesus. Yeah, but all. I want to read a book about Pee-wee and then read his autobiography as well because his autobiography, he really like, uh, oh shit, I can't think of the word and it's a simple word. <laughs> my mind fog, my mind, my brain fog is really bad lately. Um, humiliated women in his book, mm-hmm. he would talk about like cutting off their nipples and stuff like that, but was it true or was it Pee-wee trying to puff up and be big and tell this big story? He was the Fred West. Right. Hard to say. Hard to say. Hard to but say. But I, I do, I do, there's, I do, I do. Mm-hmm. So. There's a couple of different books, but The Final Truth, I oh, really yeah. need this book. And I don't care. I don't care. I don't care if I have to look through my shit and find stuff to sell. Like, there's got to be something in there that I own that I don't need anymore, like a paintball gun or some fucking clothes. I've got, I know I have fucking clothes clothes. that I can sell. I've got plenty of shit. I just don't know if anybody wants it. Oh, I've got, (laughs) you know as well as I do, my denim alone. Right. Because I, fucking bitches and their silvers. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, I shouldn't say that because I'm the bitch that wears the silvers. That wears the silvers. Yeah, but it's, you know why I buy them? Because they withstand the chub rub. Yeah. They last. Because my thighs touch and they go like this. Mm-hmm. And they make you look good, like no matter what size I you are. I know, dude. Silvers are just good jeans. I but I, if you keep them in really good shape when it comes time to get rid of them because they're too big or too small, you can sell them. But seriously, there's got to be something somewhere that I can fucking get rid of and buy that book. I know. I want. I wanted that book since I listened to that episode because he's a complex fella. He really is. Like becoming the big guy in prison. Like how the fuck did yeah, you do that? He was holding fucking pockets at one bit, like at one point in time, and then he had pockets held. So uh-huh. how the fuck did that happen? Like a train of motherfuckers holding his pockets. <laughs> yeah. How the fuck did, did you, you hear do what this? Just escaped me. I'm like, did. like a little witch. <laughs> Get all excited. Tis the season. <laughs> it's officially October. I must know. Must know things. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to uh, go home and see what I've got in the. Garage. I know what you can do. What? On Instagram. What? I've seen people who are like, video for $10. You can PayPal me. You can just do that. Nobody wants to see a video of you, me. You didn't specify what the video was of. <laughs> it could be <laughs> of your fucking dogs. They don't know. Fair enough. Oh, look, here's Rogie Bear. <laughs> <laughs> and here we have Cricket Stick It Puddin' Pants. For another $5, you can see Pudge. <laughs> <laughs> God. It's so awful. If you want to keep going, there's a snake. Make <laughs> <laughs> it a little slither, a little snake. <laughs> You know, just get sneaking through your garden eating mice. <laughs> that gets me every I time. Can't, well, I can't take that fucking kid. Yeah, sneak a little slither, a little snike. <laughs> no. Did you see the, the Helen, uh, help Helen smash versus the snake kid where he's all. No. Oh, fuck. Okay, I'll, I'll show it to you. Where he's all, sneak a little snake. And he goes, and she's all. And he goes, oh, I have seen that. Yes. And she's like, no, it's making me uncomfortable. <laughs> Help! When you said Helen smash. smash, when you said Helen, for some reason I thought of Helen Keller. Oh God! My mom goes, "Is Calvin learning about Helen Keller?" And I'm like, "No, why?" And she's like, "Well, he was telling me a little bit about her, and, and he said he heard her name in a song." And I was like, 
uh-huh <laughs> she's like what song and i'm like uh-huh it's just like a you know song from a few years ago you haven't heard it because it's like do the helen keller and talk with your heels oh no <laughs> like, fuck calvin i'm gonna need you to shut the fuck up on occasion <laughs> because he didn't understand what it was he just right. heard helen keller he's like who's helen keller so we went into a discussion about who helen keller was and and dropped like what they were talking about in the song because i didn't think anything of it it was just one of those things that just goes you know, I, did, I didn't just, really think anything of it. Shit fucking falls out of my face. I, I say things. I forget that my child is 11 and yeah. actually can understand the shit that <laughs> I'm listening to. Like, mine tries to make sense of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Speaking of mothers making their kids psycho. <laughs> I've got yep. one. Yep. I will keep his story because <laughs> we might need it later. At least you know his childhood. Just write it down I for know. me. I've done fucked up. <laughs> Good Lord. So maybe don't fuck your kids up because they're going to kill people. Yes. And stay out of talk lines. Goodbye. Goodbye.